0: This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 48. This episode features Casey James Salingo. Uh, Casey James Salingo is a Bushwick-based comedian. Uh, He's been featured on Jimmy Kimmel Live. He did a half hour on Comedy Central. He has a comedy album out, produced by Album Central, called Wild Country Phoenix. He was a 2016 New Faces of Comedy at the prestigious Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal. And he did a uh, webisode series called uh, Casey Tries His Best on Comedy Central. He's also a co-host on the podcast The Good, The Dad, and The Ugly. Um, And he's just all-around pretty nice, talented, funny dude. Um... I know him from back in Bushwick. We talk about one of the early times we met, um, and because I worked at this bar called Pine Box Rock Shop that has a lot of comedy events, a lot of open mics, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of stand-up comedians do their thing, um, just grinding over the past five years, and been able to witness how the hard work uh, pays off when you put in your reps. Um, and he's he's one of those comedians who's who's coming up. This was recorded in the basement of the Rack Shack, an all-inclusive lingerie boutique based in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, without further ado, this is Casey James Selengo. Let's have a conversation. So, Casey James Selengo. did I say that right? That's correct. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Feeling nice. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I uh, Congratulations on the different things happening for you these days thank um, you buddy and on the just congratulations on hanging in there and building your comedy craft <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> hanging in there is a good term for it, it takes a long time uh, but yeah
1: things are going pretty good uh so how long when did that start for you so, like, any kind of success, you mean? No. Uh when did comedy? When doing comedy start? It was... It's been about seven and a half years I moved here um, from... I was living with my dad in Vermont, and then I moved here and just started comedy my first week, and then I haven't stopped.
0: I'm going to adjust this room. All right. So Is that weird? <laughs> so that...
1: Uh, I'll, I'll turn it up here so that you okay. get a little bit more. All right.
0: Then I can... Then you can, you know, have more freedom. Cool. There that we go. Good. I think that's oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Um uh so you were live you said from Vermont you were living with your dad there. Was yeah. that um like after high school? So you stayed there I, for a little bit? I and- went
1: to college and then I got out of college and I stayed in my college town because I was kind of a loser, didn't have anything going on. So I stayed there for like an extra semester. Didn't really know what I was going to do. And then I decided to move to New York to pursue... I wanted to do like acting and comedy and a lot of stuff. And then to raise money to do that, I um, went to work in a weed farm in California. In like yep. Northern California. So I worked there for a few months. And then I came back and uh, we decided it would be better to wait to move during the spring. So I stayed at my dad's and helped him like build a duplex... And then I, um,
0: yeah, and then I took all that money and I came here. Nice. Uh, and I know you were at, like, I know I know you from Pine Box originally. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, a lot of, it's interesting being there, um, not being a comedian per se myself, mm-hmm. um, but, like, uh, a student of comedy is what I keep uh, saying. Um, um, I, I stood up once. <laughs> nice. And nice. I've been thinking about it lately just because I think, Like it's uh I have like the greatest respect for the art form. Oh, cool. Well, thank you. Um, I that. Richard Pryor talked about not being able to get something back in high school because he couldn't sing. Uh Uh-huh. I can sing. So Oh yeah. Hell yeah. I I mean, if I could sing, I would be I would never do comedy (laughs) again. That's so much more fun. Um, but comedy, I mean, I think it's uh I have the utmost respect for it because I think it's of all the performance arts, it's like the most vulnerable
1: yeah i think i guess it is it's most vulnerable i think um <laughs> people like it i think people like it the least like people music i'm so envious of music because you can do it and it doesn't have to be like the f- like you can play music and people can be doing can other be in stuff the background and yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, or people could be tuned in and it's fine either way like comedy if people aren't paying attention to you then you fucking lose your mind <laughs> i've done comedy where nobody's paying attention and it's not fun and it's also like I feel like it's the most delicate art form because you can't just do it anywhere. You gotta, it's got to be in like a specific place. Like I've done shows in like horrific settings where people are like, oh, this will be fun at this like, um, car show to do comedy while people walk by, and I'm like, you're, no, it's <laughs> it's not fun at all. So you're just, like, uh, it's got to be in a very specific setting. Uh, and people have to know it's happening, so it's like very delicate because it's hard to get people to listen to just one person talking.
0: Yeah. Um, but, and I think it's also tricky because, I mean, I think people have varying, and it'll it'll be interesting to hear where you feel you started, but I think most everybody, there's a huge uh, learning curve that has to happen. Meaning most people have to bomb a lot, like in the beginning. Um, and that's like part of the process is to be willing at least to like eat shit, um, and die up there uh, <laughs> yeah and then keep and then get back up you know again and do it again and do it again um you know i think some people maybe start with like a you know start like maybe they don't bomb as hard as others and other people maybe bomb super hard but then just they're addicted to it so much um and they want it so bad they work super hard at it and they they get better and sometimes the person who starts this is like in anything but sometimes the person who starts with like the talent, you know what I mean, um, sometimes doesn't really go anywhere with it because they don't have to like work as hard in the beginning,
1: you know. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I, when I started, I had already done, um, I did some like acting in college, not great at it, but I was like, I was like, this is kind of like what I want to do, but I don't know what. And then I got to host this, um, there's this big dance show on campus, and me and they wanted a host, so me and my buddy like wrote all these comedy sketches, and we audition. I think we were the only people that auditioned so we got it. But uh, we that was like our first taste of like doing live comedy that we wrote and like went really well. And it was really fun. We did that for like four semesters and that was really cool. And then I got the chance to do stand up one time in college at this hot dog uh, restaurant, I guess you'd call it and they just said like open my comedians wanted and they had me do like twenty minutes. I did like everything I'd ever written and it went like okay uh actually pretty terrible looking back kind of bad at the time i thought i was like okay so then i was like well i'm moving new york city i'm gonna do it and then so i think when i started i had a bit of a curve of like already having a little bit of stage chops and like just being kind of comfortable doing it and i think i did have a little bit of um innate talent that made me like do well at first that like it was a kind of thing where i um I was a little bit good at it, just right out of the gate. So I think maybe not work as hard as I should have. And then when I got to a certain point and I kind of plateaued, it made me... There was a while where I would bomb because I was kind of like in between levels, I felt like. So then it taught me like I had to actually work harder. I don't know if that sounds douchey, but like some people when they start and they're like, they just have to work hard immediately, I think they get to be maybe even the best. But um, I... uh, yeah, I definitely got lazy with it for a little while and had to, like, kick it in overdrive. Yeah. Yeah. And, um but it's funny. I mean, it was really the only thing I've ever, like, worked hard at in my life. <laughs> I was kind of like a slacker as a kid, and I didn't really, you know, I didn't really give a fuck about much. So, it was, like, the first thing I really fucking, like, cared about. And the bombing was, like, I remember my first, like, horrific bomb, and it's, like, you never, it's, you get, like, PTSD. It's, like, I'm never going to forget it. It was from front of, like, all my peers. It was from like, in front of comedians that I really, like, respected and looked up to, and it was... Like I'll never, I'll never forget that, and that's. Where fun. was that? Uh. It was just at that. See, I was at an open mic at um, this place called Three Dollar Tavern. So it was, uh, it was in, like the East Village of Manhattan, and um, it was an open mic. But it was everybody, all like the people I thought were like big deals, and then some people like were big deals, were like just getting on TV and stuff. And I had been doing open mics and like doing well. I lived up in Harlem, so I was doing a lot of open mics there, and they're like going well. And I went up here and I had like all the confidence in the world that no even clue that this wouldn't go well. And I just fucking ate a dick. And everyone's just staring at me. And uh, in the back, somebody did like a fake laugh. And that got a huge reaction. And then I was just like, oh, God. And I just like left there. I went home and I cried. And I had like dreams about it. I was like, I should have, I should have headbutt that guy. That was my big plan. I was like, I should have called that guy laughed on stage and headbutt him. And now that guy's one of my best friends, actually. <laughs> it was, uh, it was. Terrible. So I've bombed a lot since then. It really, you have to, um, yeah, you have to take those lumps. its It can be brutal, for
0: sure. Yeah. Um, have you found since bombing, like speaking on the subject of bombing, but I do think it's uh, like anything, like if you're a performer, there are going to be weird nights. But have you learned um, anything about, like have you uh, learned recovery skills? No.
1: Yeah, there's sometimes, I guess, when you're up there, you have to, if it's a bad... Last night I was doing a show and the crowd just was not good. And I was, like, trying some new stuff. And I was just, like, going through it. It wasn't really going anywhere. And then you just, yeah, you kind of learn to shift tones. And, like, you call it out a little bit. And then um, they see that you're not... You just got to show them that you're not scared. You know? Like the Bernie Mac thing. Like, I don't know if motherfuckers. Because like, that's when the true bombs... You can only really bomb, I feel like, if you let it happen... Because bombing is when you're scared and you're making the crowd uncomfortable and then they hate you even more. So if you, you could do poorly, but I think if you keep your cool and you stay confident and you stay, you know, you stay engaged, it's not like a true bomb. Some people disagree, but um, you learn a little things. Sometimes as you, like I said, like it feels like you level up sometimes. So like something will fail something that would have seemed like a great show when you started feels like a half a bomb later on because you kind of expect more. Um, so there are times like that where it's like a decent show can hurt more uh, than it would have when you first started because you didn't know what to expect. Like when you started, you get like two laughs. You're like, well, if I can did I didn't think I'd do that. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely a lot of levels to it. And it's, for me, it just depends on how I'm feeling confidence-wise at that point because that just... That's something that varies constantly and you can't really, uh, always control it, you know, mm-hmm.
0: what you're bringing into it. Um, so, uh, I saw your, and I hadn't like, I, you know, at Pine Box and that type of thing, my vantage point, like I would pop in and out sometimes. Um, but I remember when you were, was it Jimmy Kimmel?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, seeing that said and being like, okay, like it was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, sort of knowing you a little bit, I was like, okay, that's interesting, like, I didn't expect that, but then um, Courtney told me about your uh, album, that's Mm -hmm. out, your comedy album, and I listened to that, and I was like, okay, that's more, like, what I was thinking about, but but I've heard all the stories about the tricky thing is, like, you know, a lot of comics, it's different now, because there's so many different outlets, but back in the day, like, that was, like, the only thing was like getting on the talk mm, show. Yeah. But the interesting thing about the talk shows is it's like, it's not a normal comedy set because it has to be for that audience and it has to be like fit those parameters, which isn't necessarily, you know, how the actual, how your actual show would go. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Jimmy Kimmel was a little weird. Like, it's fine. It's not like
1: my favorite set I've ever done. I wish there was like a better tape. But also, like, even Jimmy Kimmel, the taping of that versus other yeah, talk shows they um you know and for jimmy kimmel they're filming his talk show in a room and then they like take the whole audience out of there and they put them in this other room they're not like primed at all. It's a very weird setting. You just get up there and you, can, you do, you're doing like five
0: minutes of like what they chose. I've heard about that. And is it you, is it like different comics like all at once or was, was it just you? It was the... just me. Okay, so now they
1: do, for Colbert, they do a bunch of comics
0: at a time. It's yeah.
1: almost like it can either be good because the audience is like primed to hear comedy. So like they know it's coming or it can be weird. I don't know. I haven't had that experience. But like the Jimmy Kimmel experience was pretty weird. And I've spoken to a lot of people who have done it. And I think if you watch the Jimmy Kimmel sets there's a f- there's only one one of my buddies I know like killed on it that's my buddy Martin Urbano he's like very weird very great uh but everyone else like I see seen great comics on there and um it sounds like I'm just making excuses for myself but it's like it's not always the best setting I think like like Conan and like uh, Colbert like those are much better suited for stand up but definitely the television set is a like an art form that is completely unto itself mm-hmm. than like anything else because i did a half hour for comedy central and that was way i like that set way better has that come out already? yeah they came out last year but it's hard to see the, those they air at one time mm. and you have to like find it on dvr or like their app or whatever but like that was i was able to do i did like 45 minutes and they cut it down to like 22 and the crowd was hot and it was like a stand-up setting and you could just like fuck around and because, uh, you know, they're going to like cut it up. You don't just have like four minutes to say this, these exact words. So that I'm much more proud of because that is was actually doing stand up, whereas like the television set is a whole nother game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you have uh, on the horizon? You have a show also, right?
1: No, I had a I did a
0: web series with Comedy Central mm-hmm. and
1: that all came out. So it was pretty fun. There are three episodes called Casey Tries His Best. You can check that out um right now i'm just you know doing some shows touring around a little bit i'm trying to write i'm writing i'm working on a pilot i'm like right trying to write some stuff so my goal is to create because i got to create the web series that was really fun this first time i got to like make something and and you, you know, wrote that too i wrote that and uh the brand director and it was like a big learning experience like working with people and uh you kind of got to know when to like I'm not good at like being a a boss in any way, I <laughs> found I have to like step in and like put your foot down on certain things. so now my goal is to kind of create a larger thing and like create a
0: show and like act more That's what I really like. Would that be along the same lines as the as Casey tries his best or like a completely different thing or same? of same you know
1: yeah i think i would do a different show i've actually been writing on i've got like 10 different ideas and i've been like even for that one i had like a bunch of different web series ideas that i wrote out and that's the one they chose that was actually the one i was like least interested in but it's the one they like the best so like there's some other ideas that i'm uh you know much more excited about which I, lo- I love the way it turned out but so now i'm like looking to work on some of those and yeah i would be I said Whatever, uh, whatever people are into, you got to sell it to somebody. First. I did
0: think you did good on Jimmy Kimmel. Just hey, thanks. Nice. No, I back. know,
1: I know, I know. I think I just have my own. Uh, I've got my own trepidation. It's hard. Like you know, people leave comments, and no, nobody ever leaves positive comments. <laughs> so it's like, it's you're at least me personally as a comic. I'm you know uh, I'm one of these you know self-loathing comics you hear about. So I always assume I did terribly and then reading people confirming it makes you feel worse but i think it's i think it's fine i just think it wasn't the best representation if you like you listen to my album and stuff like that i think that's a better representation what's the name of
0: the album again
1: it's called wild country
0: phoenix yes Mm -hmm. um and i was listening i listened to some of it a few weeks ago and i was listening to some of it today and i have a question for you yeah um because we might have something in common here Ah. uh was the dead cat story real yes that was real because um my first year at pine box oh no yeah a, a woman you know it's dog friendly uh-huh. um or you know it's friendly to service animals in case uh anybody's mm-hmm. listening <laughs> uh this so there are a couple of dogs in the bar a couple of service dogs in the bar and this woman who I have a whole other crazy story with like just randomly at another bar so i knew She's she was trouble. edgy, Yeah, you know? sure, sure. <laughs> um, and she's like, uh, this is a weird question, but do you think, like, I could take my cat out of its carrier for a second? No, no. And um, have you seen the Savannah cat that yes. I used to walk mm-hmm, around? Mm-hmm. So that cat had been in the bar before. It's also, you know, a service cat. Um, and, yeah, that cat had been in the bar. So I was like, well, you know, it's dog dog-friend- it's dog-friendly, but, like, you know, I don't really know about cats, but I guess. And as soon as I, it's like one of those things where you agree to something and then I swear to God, like just the thought popped in my head, please don't let it be a dead cat. And then she proceeds to open up this carrier. It was like a box. But when I was a kid, we had one of those cardboard box carriers. Um, But she proceeds to open it up and pull out this dead cat and then just start bawling at the bar and the bar was pretty full like not it wasn't like packed oh, but like the bar itself like people were sitting at it all up and down it and it was literally only the person like right next to her that was like locked eyes with me <laughs> Oh we were like shit. holy shit and we we're like looking nobody either people didn't see it or were like really ignoring it but i think they just didn't see it yeah um and then luckily, like I looked at my my clock and like the uh, bouncer was coming in like right then, mm-hmm. and he was usually like five or ten minutes late. But I like looked up at the door and he like walked in, and I was like, okay, um, this woman's emotionally distraught. I'm guessing she might have had to like put the cat down like that day. Yeah. Um. So we we got to get her out of there, but like I want I want to be delicate. Yeah. Like, so like, you know. Well, like he went to that side of the bar, and I went to the other, and kind of like walked her out. Holy she wanted shit. to pay for her wine. I was like, "That's okay. That's <laughs> on the <my laughs> house. You get that wine for free." Just, Holy, f- uh, you know? Wow.
1: What would yeah. make you think bringing
0: a dead cat out is fine
1: in a in a public setting?
0: I mean, like I said, she was. She's just. She was, uh, you know, to put it lightly, a little. Little on edge. Oh, God. Um, damn. That's. that's uh, and then if she had a really bad day, holy um, shit. she brought it brought it to the bar. Oh, my brought God. Brought it to Pine Box. I actually, fuck, man. That's terrible. I'm sorry that happened. Uh,
1: I got escorted out of your bar one time. Do you remember this? This was my first experience. I was kind of afraid of you for a while. I don't know. <laughs> what if you did remember. you get it? Oh, let's so hear this. This is what happened. You know, you remember Joe Cocazzello? So uh, he was like the yeah. prince of Pine He like ran all the comedy of Pine Box. And um, me and my buddies had a wrestling podcast we used to do. And we recorded it at his um, his apartment up the street. So we went there one time to record. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there. But my roommates will be fine. You can go. So we go over there. It's me and like three other dudes. And we go in. And it's just his girl roommate. And she's like, yeah, I guess you can come in. And then like three minutes later, she's like, I'm not really comfortable with all you guys just being here. I don't know any of you. And we're like, yeah, that makes sense. So we call Joe up, And he's like, yeah, I, I, I talked to Pine Box. They said it's OK if you go in the back. And you record over there. And we're like, all right. So we go in the back and we're recording. And then um, you and another guy come back there. Because I guess Joe did not run this by you at all. And we didn't ask because we thought he was taking care of it. And uh, you guys are like, what are you guys doing back here? And we're like, oh, we're just recording this uh, podcast. Uh, Joe said it's okay. And you guys are like, who the hell is Joe? And we're like, oh, you know, Joe. Like We thought he like worked there. This was, I was very early on in comedy. And you're like, we don't know a Joe. You can't just come in here and record. Whenever you want, and I was like, I was like, all right, well, we can pack out. And I have this thing where um, I have this kind of like flat affect to my voice sometimes, and I sound sarcastic. And I think it was the guy that was with you. He goes, "Excuse me." I was like, I was like, oh, I uh," I was like, we'll just we'll just head out. And he's like, "Are you being sarcastic with me?" And I was like, "No, this is just my voice." (laughs) And you're like, "Why don't you?" And he's like, "Why don't you get the fuck out of here right now?" So that was the first time I got kicked out of the bar. So it was a few years that I was. afraid of you because i thought you remembered kicking me out and you thought i was an asshole nope no that's memory great. i mean oh my God, now th- now
0: i kind of remember that yeah. um yeah and i definitely remember joe um and that might have that might have had more to do with, with joe. joe yeah of
1: course he was just because like i pressure. like joe but yeah we he all was the, a boundary we all the same stuffer story. so then it's
0: just sort of like yeah like
1: don't yeah. We all have the same relationship with Joe where it's like we love him, but there's a point where like you just you want to hit him. Uh, <laughs> How is he?
0: Like, where is he? How he's is in, he doing? He's uh, in
1: Milwaukee, I think. He broke his foot, so he went home to be with his family because they had insurance stuff, and then he just uh, never came back. Every time he texts text me every once in a while, he's just like playing golf out there and doing comedy. I don't know. He's a wild man. I love Joe, but he, uh, yeah, he definitely is a, a boundary stepper.
0: Yeah. I feel like he's also the type of person where... New York, like he's, he can survive New York, but also New York is dangerous for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Like, I mean, it's, New York is, I'm here for a while. Like I'm hooked on it a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, But I think if I lived anywhere else, I would maybe not drink at all. Definitely drink a lot less. I've been working on that anyway. Yeah. But it's really hard man it's fucking i i'm doing i'm on my sixth day
1: of seventh day of not drinking right now and it is uh difficult in new york city especially are you trying comedy. to do it forever are you i'm trying, trying to take do some breaks? a month yeah and then see where it goes from there because like doing comedy especially like i'm in, i'm in a pine box constantly like i've been in pine box three four nights a week for the past like five years uh sometimes so it's like doing comedy every night you're doing you're just like at a bar every night. You usually only get paid in drinks. So you just right. take that. And then you're just hanging out with your buddies. And then you're like,
0: well, I want my pay. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, i am
1: being an idiot if I don't use it. So, like, and then this summer, I've just been getting um, my girlfriend, we went to like six different weddings. Yeah. So I've been getting,
0: I've been I've, hammered for like three months. I just came back from when this past weekend? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. It's been, been like that too. Like <laughs> five. Uh,
1: yeah so i mean now, they're
0: fun but they're fun uh.
1: but it's a lot so now monday seven it's like i feel better my face doesn't hurt all the time I, uh, i've been writing more jokes i'm feeling more creative but uh like going out to shows it's it gets boring and like i can't tolerate hanging out with everybody i pretty much just go home after the show's over but yeah new york city is definitely
0: breeds boozing that's the other thing that's that is the tricky thing you just head on right there when you're like, when you're in the moment and you're, like, in the vibe that everybody's in, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. But then when you're sober and you're hearing the conversations and you're, like, and and the vibe is, like, extra and you're not, like, it's really <laughs> hard. It's too much. I'm, like, I do not. I was, like, why is everyone yelling? And, it's, and then you want to drink. Yeah. Because you're just, like... Yeah, Yeah. and the best thing to do, like, to me at that point, is to go home. Otherwise, it's, like, the longer that I stay with that bad feeling, um, that out-of-place feeling, the more likely I am to, like, be like, all right, let's just do a couple shots and, like, even this out. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, my old friend, I feel better. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's hard, man. And it's, like,
1: yeah, I've just been going home the other night, which is fine, but it's, like... Certain days, like last night I did a show that um I normally they give you free drinks. It used to U C B East and like a lot of buddies were there and I'm like, This is usually I've got so many great memories of just getting hammered here after shows and then like last night was the first night where I was like, oh, this is difficult, I gotta just get the hell out of here. So, um yeah, working on that, because it can't be a lifetime thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did you do any of the uh, UCB like programs here?
1: No. When I moved here, I wanted to work on that. Like I started stand up my first week, and I like fell in love with it immediately, and I wanted to do more improv and like sketch writing, and but all those those are like four hundred dollars a class, and I had no yeah. money. So stand up is the only thing. It's like you might have to pay five dollars to go to a mic, like but then you can find ones that are free. So basically, it's the one like you do it whenever you want. Nobody tells you. You don't have to pay for it. So that's like one of the big reasons I gravitate towards that.
0: Um, and how often do you usually get up a week? I would say at
1: least five times. It goes in and out. See, when I was doing mics when it first started, I would, you know, there was a mentality that the like, class above me was like, you have to get up like three times a night, do this. So like I was going, I was like running all over the city, literally sprinting from mic to mic, getting up three times a night. But even the mics are only like two minutes long, so you can try like one joke. Um, And now that I've been getting booked more on shows and since I've, you know, I got the album, the special, I kind of stopped going to mics and I've just been doing shows and um, working on like working on new jokes there. So it's, you know, it goes, it waxes and wanes, but it's been like, you know, this past, this week and next week, this whole month, I've got like two shows a night, which is pretty Cool. Because I'm trying to like build out. It was kind of a weird drop off after doing my album, which was like a year ago at this point. Because mm-hmm. I think it was a little early for to release an album. I think most people probably don't do it until they're like 10 years in. And uh, I did it when I was like six years in. So it's like all the material I've been working on. And I basically. And then you have to start over. You're expected to like throw it out. But then yeah. it's like, God, that's uh, fuck. <laughs> like, and then you have to like headline a little bit. And it's like, I, I don't have another 45 minutes to do. So you're like doing the stuff from the album and you're hoping a lot of people haven't heard all the stuff, which is
0: usually most people haven't. But, um, I was listening to Joe Rogan recently Mm and he he talks about that. He talks about the business a lot. Um, but he was, he's on tour right now and his tour is wrapping up and then his specials coming out, which I was like, Mm -hmm. that makes, that's like a, you know, of course he has the privilege now of being in it for so long and, being ridiculously wealthy from like the podcast and the UFC and everything. But like to where I think he can, it takes a while, (laughs) like like it takes a while in any form of entertainment before you can lay out everything perfectly for your schedule. Like a lot of time, you know?
1: Yeah. See, that's what you have a privilege of when people know you and people are buying tickets to see you, they'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Like, people are even excited to see you, like, work out new stuff. And, like, even if it's not great, they're like, oh, this is fun to be a part of the process. Where it's, like, now people don't know me and I'm trying to build a name for myself. That if I go out there, nobody wants to see me, Do this you stuff. know. Nobody. Was- people want to see me, like, kill. Right. Because then when I'm trying to get, you know, fans, they don't want to see me just, like, fucking jerk around on stage. So it's a little, it's, like, a weird area I'm finding myself in now. But, uh, you know, it's part of the process and it's, it's fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you write pretty much every day?
1: I write, my process is a little bit, I write down like a general idea Mm -hmm. and I'll get like kind of the skeleton of it. And then I will try to talk it out on stage because I'm, I try to write very meticulous jokes. I've done this in the past and it's like the part of my brain that's trying to remember it isn't really the same thing that's like fun about me delivering it. So If I try, if I like write it very succinctly, oftentimes it won't come out that great. So I kind of have to like have an idea of where I'm going, what like the punchlines are going to be, and do that. And it's not like an everyday kind of thing. It's just like if something strikes me. So there'll be times where I'll be coming up with like five things a day, and then there'll be like a couple weeks where literally nothing pops up. So I kind of don't, you know, I don't sit down and write. It's never, it's not really my style which you know could just be my own laziness but I've found that's what works for me
0: um when you do write do you write like on a old school notebook or like on your phone
1: I write on my phone which I've I'd rather write on a notebook because I really feel like if you're like connected to it it can kind of um there's a little more excitement to it but I can't I don't know I just can't carry around a notebook yeah it's hard it's like it's hard and I got my phone there all the time so it's kind of I'm not happy about it but I write them all in the notes in my phone. Yeah. Um, but I do miss just like carrying notebooks. You know, I carried a backpack around my whole 20s, but now I'm like 32 and I don't know if I can carry a backpack around. And I've had it stolen like three times. I'm like, I can't <laughs> get fed up with this anymore. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just my phone.
0: I got this little Chrome mini messenger. Oh, that's, cool. that's kind of a cool thing. i I'm like, Oh, this is cause it's so tricky in the, New- like New York versus anywhere else. Um, for the most part, even if somebody has a car, you're not driving everywhere. No, um, no. And so you learn pretty quickly. You don't really want a back, like a backpack is gets annoying. Like you know what I mean? You like it's cool, but then you get some places you're like, where you're like, damn it, man, I don't want this fucking yeah, man. Bag. So like trying to always figure out what that balance in New York yeah. is is tricky. I fucking when I first the
1: girlfriend I moved here with we broke up and I. Because you guys are living in a
0: studio. We're living in a studio. You know the whole story.
1: You know the story. And uh, so I took all my belongings from there, and I was just going open mic to open mic. I was, like, sleeping on friends' couches. My best buddy, Will Winter, he barely knew me, and he, like, knew because he hosted an open mic. He let me stay at his house for a while. But, like, I was just, like, going out at night with all my stuff on me. And I went to the Union Pool one time, and we are out there hanging out, having a great time, and then somebody stole my stuff, and it was, like, everything I had. So I was, like, I can't be carrying all my shit around all the time so that's uh yeah that sucked
0: yeah yeah that sucks big yeah um where's the best place for people to follow you i post most of my stuff on instagram so
1: at casey j Selingo, i put shows i do kind of run down of the shows and my stories every week or if there's like a real big thing i put it you know regular picture that's where i post the most i don't know my website is working, I think, but I don't really update it. That's a lot of fucking work. So, yeah, yeah Instagram is definitely the best.
0: Yeah. I just redid my, like, Alex Stevens the Third website. Yeah, Like, I had an old shit one for a while. Yeah. Um, more for acting and stuff. Uh-huh. And then I had some meetings with this agent, which didn't fucking pan out. But the good thing of it is it made me get my website together yeah yeah. i was like oh shit they're gonna look at this (laughs) yeah 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 um but yeah uh shit there was something else i was gonna ask you about that oh you're doing a show tonight yeah Mm -hmm. uh where's that at it's gonna be vital
1: joint that's like a uh it's kind of like a basement art space in in uh williamsburg so that'll be fun um, I think some of it's the debut of this girl, uh, for Ria Khan's web series. So she's doing a launch show for it. So it should be pretty cool. Nice.
0: Excited. Uh, what do you think of, um, like crashing? I'm dying up here. Of course is like, uh, more about like the comedy store and like the seventies yeah. and stuff. But there are, I think not only a lot more avenues, um, for comedians these days, but also like shows and web series about, like, comedy and the comedy world, um, do you find, like, a show, like, crashing? I mean, obviously it's, you know, one particular narrative, but do you find those kind of ring true or?
1: There's some parts. It's a very condensed version of it because, like, on that show, he's, like, he's doing comedy and then all of a sudden he's, like, doing warm-up for fucking (laughs) Rachel Ray and then he's, like, staying with Sarah Silverman and then it's, like... It's very condensed. Like, right. all that would be, like, eight years worth of work. And I think it was for him, too. But it's, like, very – so it's not realistic at all in that – In that time – yeah. In the time frame. But a lot of it, it is just, like, you know, going to different avenues and, like, conquering different – like, he went to the – I remember Pine Box was the first place I went to in Brooklyn to do – because I remember there's an episode where he goes and does, like, the alt scene in Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of like going to Pine Box for right. me. Right. So that was the first time and I discovered I liked Brooklyn a lot more because there there's like a big kind of, not a big, there's kind of a feud between like Manhattan and Brooklyn comedy sometimes. Mm. Like Manhattan is like mostly club stuff and Brooklyn, everyone thinks Manhattan is like hacks and Brooklyn is just like weird art kids who don't know how to write a joke. That's kind of like what it is, which there's definitely parts of that, but I think they, you know, meet in the middle more often than not. But um, I found like I enjoyed the Brooklyn scene a little bit more people. It was a little more creative, exploratory um, than what, than like the mics I was going into in Manhattan. So there's definitely, it definitely rings true. And a lot of these things ring, it's very interesting. I don't know. I can't say this cause it's like this started coming out when I was starting comedy, but I feel like how much stand-up comedy has been exposed through these different things over the past, I don't know, five to 10 years, it's kind of like made more people think they can do comedy because it's like they're just like oh comedians are like depressed people. So now I see a lot of people. It's like oh you're just depressed. You're not you're not funny. They're like well I'm depressed. Maybe I can do it. Yeah. And it's like there's a lot. Once you see the inner workings, I think it's there's a lot more people doing comedy mm-hmm. now, which uh, makes it much more competitive. And it's also much harder to just like make a living doing comedy these days. Like you have to have. 10 different things going on. You have to be a writer. You have to be um, an actor. You have to like really have like a multi-level thing going on unless you want to be just on the road constantly, which is, um, you know, a rare avenue for a lot of people. And there's still a lot of people in that lane that don't, aren't going to leave and have built those
0: paths up. And like, uh, you know, listening to like Joe Rogan and like WTF, those shows um, of like the guys, a generation or two up from us who like have who had people above them who they're like now of the generation they talk about the people like the not everybody obviously like carlin was coming out with like stuff like every year or two yeah but like there was a whole group of comedians back in the day who would have like an hour that was like they toured on that yeah for their entire life yeah <laughs> like that's it so
1: fucking like, yeah, that's the way. And now it's like you have to be creating content every single day. You have to be writing jokes on Twitter. You have to be putting stuff on Instagram. And it's like, yeah, Carlin was doing that. Then Louie started doing the special year. And now it's like expected, like, you really got to have a fast turnover. Even like in the moment, even like, like Rory Scoville is one of the more popular comedians. He's one of my favorites now. And he does like a lot of issues shit. He's just like improvised throughout the night. So it's even like things are leaning more towards that where, um, yeah, there's gotta be like a fast turnover and people aren't really willing to give the time of day of doing the same shit over and over again.
0: You're into, so you are though into writing, um, like sketches and like sitcom, like that kind of thing too. Mm -hmm. Um, do you prefer one or the other? comedy, comedy by writing
1: yeah i prefer comedy i prefer performing i would like to you know do stand-up i mainly want to write something so i can act in it i like acting better but it's not like you know i'll admit it's not my strongest thing i just need to work on it more and um but i think i could definitely get better at it and i would like to write something to star in myself and i do enjoy that more And there's definitely more money in writing than there is performing and i you know The thing with stand-up comedy, I want to do it forever, but I also don't know, um, you kind of have to pop off in another avenue or it's going to be a longer, much longer road for you. So I kind of like would like to pop off in something else so I can do more stand-up and like attract an audience that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you have a podcast too, right?
1: Yeah. It's called The Good, The Dad and The Ugly. It's me my buddy Will, the one who took me in, Mm -hmm. our buddy Patrick. And we bring on female comedians and they basically just like teach us how to, how to not be pieces of shit. <laughs> and uh we just talk about like sex and relationships and
0: comedy and whatever the hell. How long has that been uh, going on for?
1: It's been like a year and a half. So it's been cool. We started in like a ra- my buddy's uh kitchen table, just like you know talking on those XLRs, just you know, getting drunk and high and talking <laughs> into it and then we moved into doing it in Madison Square Garden, a studio in there, and then we got kicked out of there. Now we're in a, my buddy Leif's studio, and we just had our first live show at Caroline's. That was really cool. So yeah, it's getting bigger and better. It's a lot of fun. How often do you do those? That's once a week, so it releases every Monday. It's, cool. Yeah, that's rad. I like it.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've been, or you're going to be talking about the stuff that's going on like right now yeah. like, with like The Judge and whatnot.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's wild stuff. I know. I um, I was watching all that, and um, it's so weird because I'm not norm. Like, I wouldn't consider myself a political comedian, and I never really uh, found joy in like telling that those kind of jokes and like talking about that kind of stuff. But it's like there's almost no way to avoid this kind of stuff. Like, you have to, especially in our podcast. It's like we really talk about like women's issues a lot and stuff like that so yeah there's definitely gonna be a lot of exploring that coming up
0: uh when we record this week
1: yeah so it's really fucked up i
0: hope there's some like good comedy that comes out of like some good comedy because there's a fine line like kind of like you were talking about people who see comedians and like oh well they're kind of depressed and then they get up and like want to do comedy but then they're just depressing <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah and like that's The tricky thing with, I think, with political comedy in particular, is it's got to be funny still.
1: Yeah, there's a fine line. A lot of people, uh, it's got to be funny. It's hard to, it's really hard to tackle and be good at. I think a lot of people, you know, like John Oliver. Shell, you got a few people who write, a few friends that write for that, and I think that's just so good at balancing it. yeah i
0: enjoyed the uh larry wilmore show too oh that was
1: great larry wilmore why it's an X show yeah really good that yeah that's a really cool one actually that's really cool and fun um who's ted alexandros is this great comedian who just um he just had this set go viral where he went up on stage at the comedy cellar and kind of discussed uh the stuff going on with like louie and like all this me too stuff and like made it funny but made it poignant and like brought it all together and I was like really I thought it was like really masterful to make that kind of stuff funny and there's other like people are tagging like uh Cameron Esposito and Jenna Friedman and two like very political comedians who walk that fine line and make it funny so there's a lot of people who can do it and I like that's definitely not <laughs> my like strong suit so I um don't do a lot of it but uh I think I'd be interested in I did get a sense
0: of sort of a blue collar hero from your, like your album in a way. Yeah. It's it's not political, but it is like, it was poignant in a way. I thought
1: like you had something to say. Yeah. Thanks, man. I like talking. I I just like telling stories about myself that like other people can relate to in a way. And I kind of like making fun of myself more than anything else. So, I like talking about things about myself that I feel I can, um, like people can kind of latch onto in a larger way and kind of apply it to themselves and, and think about it. So that's like where I gain joy in what I... Like saying something happened to you and having someone else be like, I've also had that experience is like a really good feeling and like can make people... Uh, just making people feel like they're not alone, but making it funny is very cool. Like, yeah.
0: Um. Do you have any advice uh, for a young comedian or an old comedian or, you know, a person stepping into comedy like at the beginning of their that journey? Um, Yeah, Um, I think the only I got a lot of advice. The only thing that really
1: helped was like just getting up and doing it as much as possible. You got to fail as much as possible. You got to be willing to fail as much as possible. Like. When I started, I would write literally like one out of every 30 jokes I would write would work. So it's like, I'll get like one new joke a month. So that's where like the hour plus that I accrued over like six years was like one joke a month working. And then like, you know, hundreds of others bombing. So you really just got to go through like getting the shit out that doesn't work to find the little crystals. So it's kind of hardy because you got to find your own method and the only way to really do that is to do it the most because i found out my the best way i write jokes is where if i'm in a panic and i'm about to go up and i have nothing to say and i've got one like thought and somehow it'll just like come together and uh that's like the process that works for me if i overthink it too much it like doesn't go well so it's like you really just got to get in there do as much as you can and like Find your own process, because there's no, there's no real advice that really worked for me. And the more advice I would listen to, the more I'd get in my own head about it, mm. and uh, it would just kind of halt my creative process. So just do it. You just gotta do it, man, and be willing to fail at it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's gonna hurt. I uh, <laughs> it's definitely that's, depressing. It hurts a lot. I'll be honest.
0: That's the thing. What I was getting to at the beginning about the thing about comedy is versus like other. Forms. It's like really willing to fail. Yeah. It's because, like, if you're learning guitar or you're learning an instrument, you can, like, you're going to be willing to, like, not be so good at it. But it's not like the failing part isn't as, you know, what I mean, you can definitely lose an audience also, like, with a band and stuff like that. But it's not the same thing because yeah. if the audience isn't with you, it's like, well, maybe it's not their type of music versus. Maybe you're not funny. Yeah, right? It's hard because
1: I wonder how you feel because like when you're bombing a comedy, it's not only the performance. It's like sometimes the people, it's like you can say in your head like this person, oh, they just don't think it's funny or whatever. But there is a part of people sometimes where it's like they hate you because they came to laugh and you are making them uncomfortable by making them sit there. So they don't just like not think you're funny. They hate you. And I wonder like if you're performing music, like how do you
0: know it's not going well? You really don't, like, it's really different because, yeah. um I mean, I like performing, I like entertaining, so I don't like, like, I wouldn't like to be, I mean, I guess I, I've never done it, and I'm not that, I'm not a piano player, I'm not that type of person who's, like, playing music in the corner, like, for background music, but I'm definitely not a background, like, performer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So... Yeah, so I also, when I'm performing, want people's attention, and it's like, but with music, sometimes people go into their own thing, and sometimes you think somebody's not listening, but then find out later they were, or at least they said, you know, you never know, like, they could be lying, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's not the, it's not the same. I think you know you know when you could have done better always. Oh yeah. yeah. But yeah. still like, that's the interesting thing about performance is like comedian. I and mean, this is something I really, like really believe in just as a entertainer. You like definitely assess yourself, but keep that shit to yourself. Like mm. if you think you didn't do good, keep that to yourself unless it's like a fellow performer and you're talking shop. But as far as like the audience keep it to yourself because you might've thought you bombed. Um, and somebody might've really enjoyed it. And if they come up to you to like congratulate you and you apologize for your performance, it's kind of insulting to them Yeah, because they had a good experience, you know?
1: Yeah. I've definitely made that mistake before I've got, um, I think I always assume I'm bombing more than I am. I always like think it's going worse and I've definitely made that mistake before. And there's a fine line to going, Like there's two kinda avenues to go if you're bombing on stage. Either you just kinda plow through because you can be like, Oh, maybe people are enjoying it and you're just like in your own head, maybe they're just not big laughers but they're enjoying it Or so you just don't comment on it or if sometimes if you comment on it, then it kinda breaks the tension and they realize that you're like in there in the room and you also realize (laughs) what's happening and that makes them feel more comfortable and kinda opens it up for you to do better. But you kinda have to get the vibe of what's actually happening because i've had times where like i thought i was bombing and then i kind of commented and people like oh no that's fine and now you've kind of like ruined it for us because <laughs> yeah. we see that you have no confidence in yourself
0: I, yeah i think the only the way like, as a comedian though you do have the option of calling it out when a, you're on yeah, the stage yeah yeah, yeah. as um, a musician i don't see, I don't see no hard, yeah no you don't like yeah you yeah just you just keep, have to be in there you just have to fake it at that yeah, point yeah yeah um, sure sure and yeah, and sometimes you can, sometimes you can pull out a good show out of a bad one. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, well, man, I think it's been a pretty good talk. I don't want to keep you for too much longer. You got a show to get yeah, to. Baby. Um, do you have any final thing, final thoughts you want to leave people with? Um, just, uh, you know, be kind to yourselves
1: and, uh, love yourselves and you're good enough and you deserve it guys. So, uh. Just believe in yourselves. <laughs> and, uh, uh, that's it. Well, I love you all so much. Cool, man. Thank, Thank you, for, you for coming on. Thanks here, for Brent. having me, man. That's great. I'm glad you're not as scary as I thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you think. You so that was my conversation with KC James Salengo. Um, I'll have the links to his site, his socials, um, and some of those specials in the show notes for this episode. You can find all that on BushwickVarietyShow.com um, or they're in the show notes on on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, yeah, like I really enjoyed talking, talking with Casey. Um, I think stand-up is one of the hardest but most rewarding professions if you stick with it. Um, and I'm glad he's stuck with it and... Showed that if you keep at it, you know, you you go somewhere. Um, so I'm excited to see where he goes, where he goes next, what he does next. If you or somebody you know wants to be featured on the Bushwick Variety Show, um, hit me up on online on social, through the website, wherever, um, Carrier Pigeon, however you want to do it. Um, and if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. And I'll see you here on Thursday. Have a good one. Peace.